Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33? We've been talking about things that God values. We've been talking about our series is about values. And we realize this. If you've been here for a little bit, you'll realize that God values souls. God values men and women. It doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter what their history is. It doesn't matter what their race is. It doesn't matter their economic situation. It doesn't matter what other people have done to them or said about them. God values, he values the souls of men and women, boys and girls. Look to the person next to you. And this week we're talking that God values you doing something. Look to the person next to you and say, God values you doing something. Say, just do something, please. Ezekiel chapter 33, starting at verse 1, says this. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, When I bring the sword against the land and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman, And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then if anyone hears the trumpet, but does not heed the warning, and the sword comes and takes their life, their blood will be on their own head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming, and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Father, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, and I pray that you would empower us to do the work that you've called us to, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The prophet Ezekiel was one of the exiles that were carried away into captivity to Babylon. During that first part of the book, he warns them of the judgment that is to come and of the destruction of the temple and of Jerusalem. Later, judgment comes, and he comforts the people with God's promises of restoration. The first thing I want you to see, when the word of the Lord came, God said, speak to your people. Speak to your people. I want you to hear me today. The word that God sent thousands of years ago to Ezekiel is the very same word that God is saying to the church today. He's saying, speak to your people. You realize this, that there are some people, they're your people. My people. You know what I'm saying, Brian, right? My people. They're your people. They're your son. They're your daughter. They're your niece. They're your nephew. They're your neighbor. It's, they're your mechanic. It's your classmate. It's your friend. They're yours. Everybody said, my people. No, really. Come on. Brian, you help me with it. Come on. You help me. Come on, bro. You look good all dressed up today. You tell them. Say, my, you give them my people. Come on, come on, come on. Your people. He says, there's people who are, there's somebody else's people, 
But there's some people who are your people. You know who they are. They belong to you. You have a responsibility for them. It's not just a stranger. It's someone is they're yours. And that's what the word of the Lord came. And God is not just speaking to the church universal. He's not just speaking to the church of America. He's not just speaking to the assemblies of God or to the Baptist or to the Lutheran or the Methodist or the Mennonites. And he's not just speaking to Lighthouse. But my friend today, the word of the Lord is coming forth and God is saying to you individually, speak to your people. They're yours. They belong to you. You are responsible to them. That same word that God spoke thousands of years ago, he's saying that same message to you as an individual today. He's saying, speak to your people. It's your responsibility and you know who they are. God gave Ezekiel a specific message that he was to deliver to the people. It involved several components. It involved a sword and a watchman. The sword spoke of impending judgment. Notice that God said he was the one who was bringing a sword upon the land. It wasn't the devil who was doing it. It wasn't an enemy who was doing it. The ultimate source of the sword coming upon the land comes from God. There's times in which people are blaming the devil and and they're blaming a person down the road when God is bringing judgment. Judgment is impending. Judgment is coming upon a nation, upon a people, in this area, upon the land. Throughout Israel's history, we see as a nation, we see this cycle that they went through. And some of you have friends and neighbors and and maybe you've been in that place where you've been through a cycle. You begin to grow cold spiritually. You begin to grow indifferent spiritually. You begin to compromise in small areas in your life. It doesn't start with big things. It starts with small compromises in a man or a woman's life. And it starts ultimately in their heart. Ultimately, it starts in the way that they're thinking. That's where it starts. They start to think that they deserve something. That God's not good to them. That God's not fair to them. And so they begin to let down their guard. And before long, these small compromises turn into sin turns into rebellion. Then after the sin comes warnings because God is gracious and he's merciful. And God begins to warn people and he begins to send these alarms to people. And oftentimes people will reject the warnings. They'll reject the prompting of the Holy Ghost in their lives. The funny thing is, when people are living for God, they like being close to me as their pastor. You show me someone who's compromising and they want to distance himself from me. Not because I'm holding it, because of the position and the place that I hold in the kingdom of God. You'll find it whenever someone's living in rebellion and disobedience, they don't like hearing the word of the Lord any longer. They begin to resent the messages. They begin to take offense at the word of God. If that's you, this is a warning today. If you're offended, you need to check your heart. You need to check your spirit. And so what we find is in those moments when people, they're offended and they, and they begin to harden their heart to what God says and, and they begin to, they're again that compromise and, and there's warning after warning. After warnings, there comes a time of God's discipline or his judgment in people's lives. 
We go from compromise to sin and rebellion to warning to judgment and destruction. And in, throughout Israel's history, there was a, a time of repentance and restoration. And so there's this cycle they go through again and again. Now, let me be clear. There are some people who don't go through the whole cycle. There's a remnant that always comes through the whole cycle, but there's some individuals who don't get to experience. They go from sin to warning to judgment and destruction, and their life ends there. They don't get to experience the repentance and the restoration. The cycle ends with destruction in their lives. Ezekiel's message also included a watchman. When we think of a watchman, we think of the city with walls around it, and you'd have a watchman in a tower. His responsibility was to look in the distance and to see impending danger, to see a threat that is coming their way. It was the watchman's primary responsibility to warn the people of approaching danger. As long as the watchman carried out his duty and sounded the alarm, he was not responsible for those who failed to take heed to the warning and were unprepared when disaster arrived. But if he failed to warn them, they would be destroyed and the watchman will be held accountable for their blood. There's some people you can't help. You tell them, you warn them, you show them, and they just totally disregard. The word of the Lord said this. There's going to be some people who you can't help. No matter what you say, you can warn them, you can beg them, you can send out boats to get them, you can give them deadlines, and they keep doing what they're doing. He says, if that happens, they're going to die because of their sin, spiritually. He says, there's some who are going to die because of their sin. But if you don't warn them, if you warn them and they don't do anything, it's on their heads. But if you fail to sound the alarm, their blood will be upon your head. That's what the word of God says. That's the position that Ezekiel was in. He was to warn both the wicked and the backslider of impending doom and to call them to a place of repentance. Even though the nation was weighed down with sin, it was God's desire that they would turn from their evil ways and live. God said this, if they will heed the warning, they will save themselves. Destruction is coming. Doom is impending. But if they'll listen to the warning, they'll save themselves. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. Some situations seem hopeless, but it doesn't have to be that way. If people will simply listen to the warning that God gives, many can escape the coming destruction. As we look at the state of our world, and as we look at the rebellion, the lawlessness, and as Ezekiel looked at the people and saw the spiritual climate, he saw rebellion, lawlessness, immorality, violence, utter contempt, For God in his commands. Today you have to be spiritually blind. Not to see the judgment that is looming like storm clouds over the life of some people. But God says this. 
if they will heed the warning, they will save themselves. I don't care how bad their situation is. I don't care how screwed up their life is. If they will simply heed the warning, God will come and save them. He'll rescue them. Their life doesn't have to end that way. That doesn't have to be the legacy that they leave. The third thing that we see there, God said this in the scripture. God said he would hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Verse six, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. God says he'll hold the watchman accountable if he doesn't sound a clear alarm. One of the challenges in stressful situations is to know what to do. Oftentimes, people know they should say or do something, but because of uncertainty, because of fear of doing the wrong thing, many people shrink back and they do nothing. Oftentimes, people are really literally paralyzed because of fear. I was talking to someone the other day and they said to me about how God prompts them to do things and then fear comes up. He tells them to say something or to do something and then fear wells up and so they keep their mouth shut and they do nothing. We're going to give you some training so that you can overcome that today. Because if that's you and you say, well, pastor, I might make a mistake. I might say the wrong thing. I might do the wrong thing. It might not be the right timing. or I might not say it exactly right. Can I tell you when there's a need for an alarm, there's a need for a warning. God doesn't care if you stutter. Look to the person next to you and say, God don't care if you stutter. He doesn't care if your voice is a little too loud. He's not offended if you spit a little bit when you sound the alarm. When the house is on fire, he just wants someone to yell, get out. Amen. When trouble's coming, he just wants somebody to sound the alarm. What we find here in the word, we find it in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. It says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. For in just a little while, he is coming, will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. The word saying that that's not who you are. You are not someone who shrinks back. You are not someone who keeps your mouth shut. You are not someone who doesn't sound the alarm. You are not someone who doesn't shout out when God tells you to speak. He says, that's not who you are. You don't shrink back. I've made you different. I put something different in your heart. This week, we commemorated a day in the United States history. Anyone know what that day we remembered? How many of you remember where you were? September 11th, 2001. Yeah. Most of us can remember where we were at, what we were doing, what we thought on that day. It was a day really that changed our nation in many ways. Our way of life has been altered. Our view of the world has really been altered by what happened there on September 11th. On that day, there was a group of people on one of the planes. 
But they didn't sit back. They did something. United Flight 93 from Newark to San Francisco was hijacked that morning. It ultimately crashed into a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And numerous people on that flight, the understanding was that that was headed towards the White House or to the Capitol building to kill as many people as they could. Numerous people on that flight were able to make phone calls. That morning, 38-year-old Thomas Burnett made four brief phone calls to his wife, Dina, in California. Dina had been a flight attendant, and Thomas was a vice president of a medical implement company. The first call that he made was at 6.27 a.m. Pacific time. And the last call he made was at 6.54 a.m., just minutes before he and 30 other people lost their lives. From the transcript of those calls, they have a transcript of those calls, a reenactment has been made. In particular, I want you to listen closely to the words of the final call. The advice that the world, his wife, who was a trained flight attendant, they told her what to do in the midst of a hijacking. But he refused to do what normal, ordinary people said to do. I'd like you to listen to this reenactment of that day. Dina. Hey, Tom. Are, are you okay? Uh, no, not really. I'm on an airplane, Dina. It's been hijacked. Hijacked? Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, they just knifed a guy. Who did they stab? A passenger? Yeah, Who? yeah, yeah. Well, where, where are you? Are you in the air? Yes, yeah. Just, just listen. Our airplane has been hijacked. It's United Flight um, 93 from Newark to San Francisco. We're in the air. The hijackers, they've already knifed a guy. One of them has a gun. They're telling us there's a bomb on board. Look, just just call the authorities. Well, well, wait, Tom, a bomb? Oh no. Oh, um, hang on, hang on. There's there's another call coming in. I this might be my husband. Hello. Dina, they're in the cockpit. The guy they knifed is dead. Oh, he's dead. Yep. I tried to help him. I couldn't get a pulse. <gasps> Tom, they're hijacking planes all up and down the East Coast. They're taking them and they're hitting buildings. They 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 crash two planes into the towers of the World Trade Center. Oh, they're talking about crashing this plane. Oh man, it's a suicide mission. Hey, you guys, this is a suicide mission. They're crashing planes all over the country. Wait, Tom, who are you talking to? It's my seatmate. Um, hey, do you know which airline's involved? No, um, they're not sure if they're commercial or not. The news reporters are, they say maybe cargo planes, private planes, commercial. They, honestly, they, they don't know. Okay, okay. Um, how, how many planes are there? Who's, who's doing this? Oh, we, don't, we don't know. I mean, at least three, the two that crashed it, and you, maybe more. I don't know. Okay, okay. Um, do they know who's involved? Who's doing this? No, no, we don't know. Okay, hey, we're, we're turning back towards New York. I think uh, they're going to take us back to the World Trade Center. <sighs> No, wait, wait, wait. We're turning back the other way. Um, looks like we're going south. Oh, okay, well, what do you see? Uh, just a minute. I'm looking. Uh, I 
I can't see anything. We're over a rural area. Looks like it's just fields. I don't know, Dina. Uh, hey, I gotta go. Wait, Tom! Dina. Oh, Tom, you're okay. No, I'm not. Well, they, but they just hit the Pentagon. Hey, hey, you guys. They, my wife told me they just hit the Pentagon. Okay, okay. Um, what else can you tell me? Um, okay. They they think that five planes have been hijacked, but one's still on the ground. Um, they think they're all commercial. Uh, they haven't really said anything about which airline. Um, but all of them have originated on the East Coast. They still don't know who's doing this. No. Um. Okay, okay. Um, what are the chances of them having a bomb on board? I don't really think they have one. I think they're just telling us that to control the crowd. I don't know. I mean, maybe they might be. Um, but, I mean, even if there is, as long as it goes off in in the right place, the, the plane might survive it. Did, did you call the authorities yet? Um, yeah. They, they didn't know anything about your plane. Well, they're, they're talking about crashing this plane into the ground, we think. We've got to do something. Um, I'm putting a plan together, Dina. You're putting a plan to... Who, who's helping you? Just just different people, several people here. There's a group of us. Don't worry, I'll call you back. What, what, what are you going to do? Tom? Hi, hi, Dina. Hey, anything new happening? No. Where are the kids? They're, they're fine. They're sitting here at the table having breakfast. They're asking to talk to you. No. Uh, tell them I'll talk to them later. Tom, I, I called your parents, and they know your plane's been hijacked. Uh, Dina, you shouldn't have worried them. How are well, they doing? They're okay. Mary and Martha are with them. Good, good. We're waiting until we're over a rural area, Dina. We're, we're going to take back the airplane. No! No, Tom, sit down and be still and be quiet. Don't draw attention to yourself. Dina, if they're going to crash this plane into the <sighs> ground, we've got to do something. But what about the authorities? We can't wait for the authorities. I don't know what they're going to do anyway. It's up to us. I think we can do it. What do you need me to do? Pray, Dina. Just pray. I love you, Tom. Don't worry. Don't worry, we're going to do something. Did you hear? Those are, those, that's the transcript. Did you hear his last words? Don't worry. We're going to do something. I think we can do something about this. His wife's response was a natural response of what people who would say to preserve themselves. Just be quiet. Keep your mouth shut. Don't make any noise. Don't draw any attention to yourself. Friend, that's what the enemy loves for people to do. That's what cowards do. But that's not who you are. Friend, you were made for something greater than sitting by and watching the enemy destroy your family, destroy your co-workers, destroy your neighborhood, destroy our nation. You and I were made for something greater than that. Listen to the word of God found in verse 7. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. 
So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sin. And I will hold you accountable for their blood. Did you hear that saying of God? When you keep your mouth shut. And I've given you a message of hope. I've given you a message of reconciliation. I've given you a message of deliverance. And you shut your mouth. And they refuse to turn from their sin. They will die as a result of their sin. But I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their ways. And they do not do so. They will die for their sin. Though you yourself will be saved. Son of man. Say to the Israelites, this is what you are saying. They're saying it's hopeless. Our offenses and sins weigh us down. We're wasting away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their waves and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? Did you hear the word of the Lord to you today, my friend? God said, I've made you a watchman for your people. They're your people. And the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart who they are. As I was doing my message this week, there was a person who I called. She's my people. She's mine. She doesn't go to our church. She's not in my family, but she's my people. There's people who are your people and God has anointed you and he's placed you as a watchman on the wall to warn them of coming destruction. And if you and I keep our mouth shut, the Lord will not be pleased with us. But if you send out a warning and they heed the warning, they will save themselves. That's what the word says. Would you stand with me? Sit down. Not now. Be still. Be quiet. Don't draw attention to yourself. Those were the exact words the Delta Airline flight training taught Deanna. And that's what the enemy would say to you. Sit down. Be still. Be quiet. Don't offend them. Don't hurt their feelings. Don't be misunderstood. Don't get involved. But that's not what God says to you. And that's not who you are today. We are not praying anymore. I've spent enough time. I don't know about you. I've spent enough time at the altar praying. I've spent enough time praying about people who are lost. You don't have to spend another minute praying for the lost when God's given you a warning. When God's given you a word. All you got to do is open your mouth and speak it forth. And the Holy Spirit will empower those words. And that warning will be a clarion call to those who are lost. But you and I, we could spend all day praying. And that's what the church wants to do sometimes. Some of you need to get in your car 
Instead of coming to the altar and pray, you need to get in your car and drive two hours and find that old buddy that you went to high school with and tell him what God's told you to tell him. When you walk out of this room, some of you need to walk out of this room and don't stop and talk to anybody else, but go home and talk to your son or your daughter. Some of you in this room, instead of praying about it, we've prayed about it long enough, you need to walk out of this place and you need to go down the street and you need, don't wait, don't let anybody stop you, don't keep your mouth shut, don't think about it, you simply need to go and declare that Jesus is willing to save you, that Jesus will set you free, that judgment is coming, but God sent you. He's appointed you as a watchman. God bless you. I love you. Amen. You got a work to do.